and welcome to VentureCast. This is David Hornick from August Capital. And this is Howard Hardenbaum, also from August Capital. And this is Vili Ilchev, also from August Capital. Who? Vili Ilchev on, on VentureCast? I got invited. I can't believe it. It's a true privilege. It's the end of the year. It's sort of like a holiday treat for you, Vili. I know. I know. <laughs> so have excited. You ever, have you ever listened to VentureCast before? <laughs> Uh, I have, and it's been a few years. I have to admit. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Wait a second. You've been telling us you want to be a VentureCast. I'm boycotting you... it because you won't invite me. You, do you even know what VentureCast is? Of I guess that's I a do. better question. Yeah, right. You know, you know that we talk about things. Are you aware of that? We talk about technology, the venture business. I get, I get to hear your views on all these topics <laughs> All the time. I know, I'm, and you've been. So, how long have you been with August now? I've been uh, seventeen months. All right, and how many months? This is it, like a mother no, no, who has a new baby. Months. It's not one year months. old or two years old. It's seventeen months, three weeks, and four days. It's right. been a year and a half. How about a year that? and a half. Better. And how many months in till you started rolling your eyes at me? <laughs> That's the real question. Um. Well, you know, it's... <laughs> He's taking it, his it, question it, it's, seriously. Well, no, you, I, I roll my eyes at everybody. It's just uh, how frequently I do it. And yes, sometimes I roll my eyes, but... So, so not, it is the holiday often. season. So what's in, what's in, one interesting thing that I've noticed. So obviously, we've seen this in enterprise software. You saw this, Philly. We've had this, where there's this end-of-year surge where you're trying to close those last deals, and that always happens. But the other thing is, we have a number of retail-oriented businesses, and man, are they are they fourth quarter loaded? So, I was just uh, at the at the board meeting for Shoprunner, and Shoprunner is Amazon Prime for everybody else. It's get get two day shipping, free two day shipping, free returns when you use Shoprunner. Things uh, you know uh, at a bunch of um, great retailers, and. You know, it turns out because the because shopping is incredibly fourth quarter loaded that their revenue is incredibly fourth quarter loaded, and um, I was sitting at this board meeting. We've we've just recently funded Shoprunner, and I was reminded of the fact that Sam Yegan, who is the CEO, was a student of mine when I was teaching uh, intellectual property at the business school, and I said to Sam at one point along the way, he was a student in this class, and at one point I said to him. You know, Sam, you roll your eyes more often than, at me more often than my children do. And what was his response to you, suppose? He rolled his eyes at me. That is what happened. And now I'm sitting in these board meetings, and I fig he was he was fairly nice to me in the first board meeting. But I figure he'll be rolling his eyes. Maybe you'll learn to not talk. That's the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> What's the saying? Better to be thought a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> well, then, Billy, maybe you should not have come on VentureCast. Uh, that I, may have been your best bet. Okay. Well, what did, what it, did, it's what over did, now. It's what did Tripp say? I, I was arguing with an entrepreneur a few weeks ago, and uh, the guy was a little bit crazy, but I was arguing with him anyway. And Tripp said, What's the saying? You gotta, you know, a, it's some re- it's a, a genius rep- and a fool are arguing with each other, but from a distance, you can't tell who's who. That's right. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. From a distance, you can't tell the difference, right? Yeah. Exactly. That's what our partner meetings have become. Is like, well, if you are arguing with a fool, y- yes, it's hard to tell them apart. 
because why are you arguing with a fool? With a fool? I was yeah, texting you at that meeting as well. Stop asking questions. So this is the thing about our business. So the venture business is an all year long we meet with entrepreneurs and we meet with some great entrepreneurs we meet with some fine entrepreneurs and occasionally we meet with entrepreneurs who I, whose ideas are less compelling but they all get an hour right that's just please come in and pitch us you've got an hour but you know the ones that are less compelling in minute 45 when howard starts asking questions like howard shut the fuck up <laughs> just hey. let the man finish. Just let the woman no, finish. I am doing let- it on purpose. And the purpose is I know that the meeting ends at an hour. And I'm curious if Billy will wait to ask questions after the hour is over. Because that's I what he likes to do. I only ask questions when they matter. But you always wait until after because the hour is over. Because I also want to hear the entrepreneur finish their flow. Right, who's the idiot and who's the no, genius? But no, how, no how, actually, what you used to, you've told me in the past, Howard, is, and I think this is totally fair, you said... Look, I know we're not going to fund this company, but I might as well ask the question. I might as well find out things, right? You learn something. And, the guys are all smart. Yeah. And that I agree with 100%. Like the beauty of our job is that no matter what the pitch, even if even if you very quickly determine that it's not a company you would fund, it's certainly the case that you can learn all sorts of interesting things. And so we had a pitch today uh, by a company that's in the cryptocurrency space. And... Even if we don't fund this company, uh, we learned a ton. It was super, like, that was a, holy mackinole, that was interesting. Now, some of that is that this cryptocurrency business is, like, just unbelievable. It's like a fire. Yeah, we were were arguing, is speculation 90% or 98%? (laughs) Right. What percentage of cryptocurrencies actually have underlying value? That's a good question. And what percent are just people buying because they hope the next person will buy at a higher price and they'll go up in value? I wonder why Amazon is not taking Bitcoin yet. No one who has taken bit who takes no the, no actual retailer cost, takes it. The transaction costs are way too high, way too high. Well, the like, volatility too, right? Well, you have volatility, but forget volatility. To buy anything five bucks and for you to pay twenty bucks transaction cost, it, it's just so unacceptable. Why, this, so this makes no sense, right? No, the it whole shouldn't. pitch, the whole pitch for Bitcoin is that it takes out all the costs, it becomes this frictionless experience, and damn the financial institutions, we're going to save a bunch of money, but this is exactly why that's baloney. Because in the end, when you want to trade from crypto to something else, there's an endpoint, there is some entity that has to be the marketplace between dollars and Bitcoin. What I'm saying is Amazon doesn't, at their scale, they're like Apple with the credit card aggregation where they can just Mm -hmm. take your Bitcoins, they have a price in Bitcoin, and you just give them Bitcoins and they aggregate them all up and sell them at a billion bucks at a time and they actually make the market. Yeah, why would they expose themselves when their, their margin is already tiny? Why would they expose themselves to current? Because they take all well. of the money they have and put it in Bitcoin. Then they announce they're going to take Bitcoin, which and drives it, the market up. And that's where they make their money. So this is one of the things we talked about in this meeting, which is that there are all sorts of things that have been tried and regulated in securities law. 
and things like front-running trades and other things that are 100% illegal in, in, in stocks that are happening rampantly in cryptocurrencies and yet are not being regulated yet. Yeah. They will be. Yeah, and, and we don't know if the current regulations can you know can can cover this area i guess the sec hasn't gone after anybody yet but oh they, no they've had a few right haven't they had a couple of early suits where they're saying these were fraudulent offerings so that's a step it's a step but i but it, it is is the bigger problem that because these are uh, distributed systems etc it will be hard to prove it'll be hard to demonstrate etc it it's uh we i i i actually pay attention to this and and i am <laughs> unlike you of, and me i am i am i'm really i'm really uh uh in awe and at the same time i just uh there's so much speculation um I just don't know where this ends. On one hand, uh, the primary... I think most stock market purchases are speculation. The The problem with that is... Secondary it, it, market transactions, and people are buying because they think that the value is going to go up. But now, you there's have, an underlying but value beneath it. it's based on information. It's based on something. Many people, they trade on no information. They're looking at their graphs and looking at the trends and drawing lines, and it's no different. This is, this is exactly why... Uh, they're launching the long-term long-term stock exchange, right? This is the the founder of uh, Lean Startup who said, you know, this is exactly the problem that if you create disincentives to do day trading, etc., then you'll get better behavior in a market and you'll get better reporting about the things that matter and people will hold for longer all of those things. But the bankers won't make their money, so that's why it doesn't work that way. I don't know. Mm. I mean, it's getting ready to launch. Yeah. So I read that last year, 2016, there was $250 million in ICOs, and this year it's going to top $4 billion. Wow. How many? What was the IPO market this year? I don't know, actually. Well, the tech IPO market. Less yeah. than $4 billion. Um, I can find it out. It, it's, in money raised. In money raised, tech IPOs are probably in that range. Unless there's a really large one, we didn't have a Twitter or an Uber or anything like that this year. So uh, though, I'm going to yeah, guess... In the private markets, it's still bigger. But I'm going to yeah. guess the IPO market, there have been 20 uh, IPOs, tech IPOs this year, 200 million on average. Uh, so yeah, yeah you're going to end the up... the same, right? Uh, so at the growth rate, ICOs are going to be way bigger than IPOs next year. Which is... That's my prediction. Really terribly stupid <laughs> i just have to like i have to say now i acknowledge this as a self-serving statement because i'm a venture investor and i have no interest in buying coins i am interested in buying securities which come with a lot of characteristics that are better for investors um but not as far as i'm concerned worse for for founders i actually think it's better all around but these icos where you're selling coins first of all you create a a, a pie that is 100% of the pie, then you start immediately selling off fractions of that pie. You're, you have a liquid currency from day one, which we we know to create a whole bunch of challenges for startups. They create challenges. Like insider trading issues. Huge insider trading issues, huge challenges of retention of 
uh, of employees, huge challenges when there's a disunity between early employees and later employees. And we face all of these challenges when we've invested in companies that go public. And then there are folks who've made a lot of money, others who are trying to create value, whatever. But it's all exacerbated by these ICOs, which then add on top of that there are no protections. There are no requirements for reporting. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are just no requirements around these things. Yeah, I, I mean, but even if you rewind, the, you know, blockchain is a great technology, but, you know, it has to be a stepping function improvement to existing technology. So if you are uh, a company tracking uh you know, uh, share, you're a share registrar, you're an e-shares or computer share, one of those tracking uh, ownership changes. The existing technologies, you can buy a database today, an Oracle, and you can build an application on top of it to track uh, who owns what. Uh, what. Um, you know, so I, I still struggle to figure out um, with all these ICOs, how the use case, why the blockchain-based use case for that specific, you know, uh, application is better than existing technology. Well, this goes back to our earlier comment, which is, what percent of them are being used for that at all? Right? Yeah. Sure, it'll be a ama- blockchain will clearly be amazing for things like identity and smart contracts and a set of things, but the number of ICOs in which the currency is reflecting those uses yeah, uh, is is infinitesimally small compared to the number that are just being used to raise capital. So, yeah. Billy, you had mentioned today there's 28 cryptocurrencies worth more than a billion dollars. Yep. And when were all of those created? And the reason I ask is maybe they dwarf private company startup valuations over the same period. Huh. I mean, they've all been created in the last... Not all of them. Like, Bitcoin's been around for a while. Two, three years. Bitcoin and Ethereum, which are the two biggest... But all the other ones in the past few years... Well, Ethereum was created, what, a year or two ago? It hasn't been that long. But So if you think about it, they may be worth more than all the private companies created in the same time period. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. I think we should start selling our private companies to to cryptocurrency holdings. (laughs) Can we do that? Maybe it will be anti-diluted. Yeah. Uh, This market is so... Exciting. It is exciting, but it's going to be volatile and it's going to, you know... I I love volatility. Do we all live through the first internet crash? Like that first, you know, 2000 time frame when suddenly everything that was supposed to work stopped working and then everybody dumped the things that they had thinking it's suddenly not worth what it was worth and then the bottom fell out and then that caused other people to freak out and dump what they're doing and meanwhile now we now you can short cryptocurrencies which we know is a mechanism that causes people to you know to costs people immense amounts of dollars which causes then them to be forced to sell which causes the markets to drop dramatically right we've put all of the mechanisms in place to make this marketplace mm-hmm. as volatile as possible Woo-hoo. Yeah. i think it's super exciting i know you do i'm excited for you too <laughs> anyway i'm we're sitting in david's office and it's holiday time and there are gifts wrapped for his plentiful family all <laughs> over the place here. 
And so my question for David is, are all of these items branded items, or have you bought any Amazon Basics? <laughs> They're well, blue label you know, products. It is sort of astonishing what number of boxes, what percentage of the boxes that have been shipped to my office have been Amazon boxes. Now, I've since wrapped them, so... Wait, but if aren't you, you on the board of ShopRunner? ShopRunner is amazing, and I'm, I've got some excellent ShopRunner purchases here. Um, but Amazon's an incredible machine of a beast of a, you know, behemoth of a nightmare. And uh, so, first of all, no, most of them are not basics, but I bet you I buy, I bet you I buy an Amazon basic a week in some capacity or other. The, I, here are the things I buy with great certainty. Uh, Cables all the time, batteries all the time. Uh, I don't know, tape probably. What else? What else? So the the number that caught my attention was that there are now over fifteen hundred different Amazon basic items for sale at Amazon. What's the biggest two or three categories? I bet it's batteries. batteries, batteries and cables. Batteries be super and cables. high margin brands so don't good. matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Did you razor all... blades yet? But do you remember, like, this is the thing that cracks me up. My band in high school was called the Generics. And we had t-shirts. That's funny, mine was the blue label. (laughs) My band was called the Generics. And my t-shirt read, bass player. And the guitarist read, guitar player. You remember those packages? They were white packages, and it said cereal. Or it said, you know, peanut butter. And... The prices were great, and so people bought them. And then at some point, the brands got smart and were like, "Don't, or, don't eat that terrible crap. It's all really bad." And they convinced you otherwise. But part of the process then was they created their own brand. So how many how many Kirkland brand products do you buy? Do you know Kirkland? I, that's the, I, I do. That's the Costco. Costco. Yeah. Costco brand. We buy some. I, we buy some. And now you can buy Kirkland brand but products on Amazon. The, they're better than the label. Right, like that's what I'm saying. My reco- they're now branded equivalents of generic foods. My recollection of like junior high school. One day, I found this six pack in the fridge that said Blue Label beer. Beer, totally. And I tasted one, <laughs> and it was horrible. So I took them in the backyard and shook them up, and was shooting them with the BB gun because they would explode when you hit them. <laughs> And my dad came home, and he's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, you ain't going to drink this shit. <laughs> this is what you were like as a child? Like for the, Junior high school, that's not a child. That's junior like, high, that's up. what you did in junior high? What did you do? None of that. A, I had no BB gun. Oh, B, I didn't try the beer. We, Wait, what did Billy do? I, I was, Where were you I in was shooting high? empty beer cans with a BB gun and I was in the backyard while drinking. Um, so Sam, you were drinking and shooting? Sam Adams. What? Where yes. were you living? In I, North Carolina. Winston Salem, North Carolina. With and my, you drank we, Sam Adams? In we were, we in were high end. We actually used to uh, brew our own beer in high school. Uh, with my best friend. Are you telling um, the truth, or is this an alternative fact? It's 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 not an alternative. Truth. It's total the truth. truth. Uh, we were sitting in Winston Salem. Because alternative facts are okay today. In our uh, I used to I used to <laughs> I used to clean cars in a car dealership, used car dealership, and I used to clean cars in. And the And you back. found beer in the trunk. And we would come home at uh, five thirty in the afternoon, and we'll sit in the backyard, grab a beer. 
And um, <laughs> what is we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna read some you know deep philosophy book that made us feel like Plato, we are like Plato. smarter than everybody. No, read like Dostoevsky and Camus and all that crap. This is what you and did. And we in thought we were smarter than everybody and cooler than everybody because we used to read books and shoot BB guns. Um, and, drink and, and drink beer. And so I that's grew up in New Hampshire. I don't think we did. We didn't do any of that. I mean, I'm sure there were people in New Hampshire drinking beers in junior high. There was no one reading Camus or Dostoevsky. Yeah, there was plenty of BB guns. That's what we did. <laughs> but and I then, know in all fairness, then we grew up and realized we're not smarter than everybody. And so, when did you come here? You, I thought you were that you in, were going to say the same thing, and then you were going to find that the prerequisite to becoming a venture capitalist was. Shooting. Junior high school shooting beer cans with BB guns while and drinking, drinking beer. beer. Yeah. No, I didn't know that that was the... Although I'm asked by lots of students what's the path, and then you could do, like, say, oh, I'm sorry, you missed out. No, what you could do is say, oh, wait, who here shot BB guns in junior high school? And then two or three <laughs> raised then, their hands. And who <laughs> shot beer cans? And then you go, you're the venture capitalist. Yeah, see, two of my partners did this, so you fit the profile. Um, yeah. No, I ask, is there anyone here who's a computer music major? And if they say yes, then boom! Yes. They're in. In my friend, <laughs> that's the plan. So wait, Philly, you when did you come to the states? You were in you were in Greece before. So I was in Greece. I was living illegally in Greece at the time. That was when you were three. Ninety one and ninety two. I was fifteen. Um, and ninety two because I was living illegally in Greece. Living illegally, you were an undocumented, undocumented a, uh, alien. Immigrant. Yeah, I was an undocumented, that like three heads, undocumented uh, yeah, person. Totally doing the same stuff that undocumented people do all over the world, which is look drinking for a job. beer, and look for a job. Yeah, try, right. Now, try. what were your parents? So you came from Bulgaria. Yeah. So. 89 communism collapsed by 91 the country was a complete basket case kind of similar to venezuela today inflation was two three hundred two three thousand percent um and crime was off the charts the economy collapsed the, everybody was uh there was lack of the basics there was no bread and so my parents went to greece and we uh my my dad is a uh, uh, physicist. He's a PhD in metallurgy, and he used to study uh, uh, metal alloys. And my mom is a civil engineer. Anyway, we ended up in Greece. My dad was doing construction work. My mom was working as a maid, which at the time of fifteen, when you see your parents um, go through that, kind of sucks. Going back to Bulgaria was not an option, and so. Uh, I thought I would apply to boarding schools in the UK and the US and uh, ended up getting a scholarship to go to a boarding high school here in the States, which is how I came here. So it wasn't this foresight that I had to come to uh, America. It was life and life takes you in directions you didn't expect. And at the time, that was the best possible life or option I could have imagined for myself. So that's kind of That's pretty good because Howard and I were just a couple of Jewish kids who like grew up, you know, in middle class neighborhoods. Where we drank generic beer. We're <laughs> doing middle class things. I didn't drink generic beer, but I did go to timeshare. Did you have like a timeshare? Remember those? No. It was like you got a week that my, you went to My dad was an entrepreneur and he built his business while I was growing up so we were very careful with money for a long period of time until his business got established and that was right around the time I left for college. Ah, uh, 
So we yeah. didn't get the vac- vacation. Was like we're all getting in the back of the car and driving to San Diego Zoo, which was good. Yeah, well, the zoo's nice. Yeah. No, my my mom grew up that way. My mom grew up in Lawrence, Mass. Bunch of immigrants. Her family came from uh, you know from Russia. My dad's family family came from uh, from Germany, and uh, and. It was the same sort of thing. They came and they didn't have a lot, and so. But when we were growing up, my mom was very careful. We spent a lot, we did a lot of arguing about why I couldn't get an Izod shirt, and then we'd go to Marshalls and she'd buy one for me, and I'd be psyched, uh, you know. And now I think about my children; it's like a little spoiled, frankly. They weren't wear Izod shirts. I, I I've come back around to Izod shirts. I feel pretty good about them. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's what we intended to discuss on VentureCast You've got to be today. careful what you wear because Vili will criticize you as wearing... I know. What were yeah. you wearing? Some, some Brooks Brothers. Ter- Brooks Brothers, which Vili believes is a brand on its way out. It, 150 it, it, years down the it's, toilet. It's just... Yeah. It, it's, uh, there are cheaper and better options out there. But I don't want cheaper. What do we think is going to happen to Bonobos? So, you know, there's some really good things about Bonobos. I, I have a lot of Bonobos clothing. They've been bought by Walmart... Do we think that Bonobos ups the game at Walmart and they start doing more interesting kind of direct-to-consumery brandy things? Or do we think that Walmart drags down Bonobos to, you know, common deno- least common denominator? And I least- think the opposite. I think Walmart is going to up Bonobos' game. Maybe from a logistics perspective. I just don't know how Walmart helps them with brand and everything they did well to date was... Create an aura, create a brand, create an experience. But also that was create so a different. relationship with the customers. Right. It's something that Walmart really wants and needs to do better at. And I think they're going to put a lot more money and time and effort into that. Yeah, I think they've finally come around. I, I had a meeting with a, with some very senior Walmart execs uh, at the TED conference a, a handful of years ago. And there were a bunch of great people around the table. Folks like Ev Williams and Tim O'Reilly and others who were kind of there to to discuss the internet, etc. And so we started talking about personalization. And at the time, Walmart's view was that they had an absolute understanding of their average customer. And they could draw, describe mm-hmm. their average customer. He said, yeah, but what about the individual customer? And they said, well, you don't, we don't need to know that person. Because we're no, Walmart, no, they knew about giant. every customer. They were between five foot six and five foot nine, and they paid with cash. <laughs> it was like there was a bu- they had a bunch of customers. They took the average. They didn't worry about who those people were. They didn't, you know, it was just they were so big and so general that they were perfectly fine with that. Um, and I think they've absolutely come around. I know that they've just. Uh, given Andy Dunn a bigger role. He, he was the founder of Bonobos, a really, really great, smart uh, guy that we've known for a long time. So I think folks like Andy and with the acquisition of Jet and with others, I think that they're going to end up you know, making huge progress. But, you know, it'll, it'll be super interesting to see uh, see how it's gone. So, all right. Well, look at we, we short venture cast because you know we, we didn't want to be too taxing on Villy's first effort here. Uh, <laughs> it's the end of the year. I don't think it's likely we'll sneak in another venture cast since it took us you know six or eight weeks to get to this one. But certainly in the new year. Any I, I, any uh, end of year wishes? Any new year predictions? Any what, any anything for this uh, this moment, Howard? What have you got? Mm. Bitcoins for Christmas and Hanukkah. That's a good gift. It will be well received. 
Bitcoin. That's right. Open up a, open open up a up wallet. Open up an account. Open a wallet. The, put get, point oh 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 one in there and give it to your buddies. There's a there's a well known investor and Bitcoin aficionado in the in the Palo Alto area, who when he when he and his family attend bar and bat mitzvahs, give eighteen Bitcoin. <laughs> to, that's to, a lot of Bitcoin now, nowadays. That has been historically the case. Maybe now it's one point eight or point one eight. <laughs> but but historically, if you were, if he came to your bat mitzvah several years ago and you hung on to it, that was one serious gift. Eighteen <laughs> times eighteen thousand. Oops. Yeah. What is that today? It's probably not. He's probably not giving you eighteen at this point. Three hundred twenty-four thousand dollars. So no. But yeah. someone got. Three hundred twenty-four thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin and, and I, a bot mitzvah. Some and I hope ago. they forgot about it. Yeah, I right. I hope they forgot about it. it and they didn't sell it. And I hope they woke um, up today and they sold it. Yeah, I mean, okay, uh, Bitcoin. Bit, I'll stick with Bitcoin because it's fascinating. So the value. See, of, this is like at the end of the meeting. That's when you start talking. Well, the, the <laughs> anyway, the value. This is Howard, and I have to leave. Oh, to Howard's leaving us, but Villy and I but, will keep on. Howard, it's been a pleasure. Happy, happy New, New year. year. Yep, happy New Year. Bye, Howard. You, you can finish, Billy. This is like Howard. So, this is just like Howard. Let's just talk about him now. Okay. <laughs> He's gone now. All right. We like Howard. Um, so the value of Bitcoin today is about $350, $400 billion, which, by the way, is fascinating. That's about the size of Exxon today. Um, and the value of gold is $8 trillion. So what $8 I, trillion, is that what you said? $8 trillion. Okay. So what I find fascinating... so. The, the the Bitcoin skeptics, um, uh, you know, say it's worthless. And if I try to play that argument out, the other side is going to say, how about gold? And inevitably you capitulate because you're right, gold is also worthless. But for some reason, people ascribe value to it. And where I'm going with that story is um, I don't know the value of Bitcoin. I don't know where this goes, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes so far above people's expectations. Like people are saying today, Bitcoin next year, thirty dollars to $40,000, or it's possible Bitcoin will go to thirty dollars to $40,000. I think it's possible it goes to three hundred dollars to $400,000, and it will still be less than the value of gold. Um, and so... That's your assessment. I, your assessment is that... I see... Well, it'll also be a lot less than the value of dollars, uh, you know, uh, that in the U.S. economy. Oh, it's... It, well, dollars is a lot more than that. Okay, that's uh, what I'm saying. So that's not really the measure. But, but well, people use it as a store of value today. It's not a currency, I right? know. Well, Maybe one day it's going to be a currency. It's intellectual property as far um, as I'm concerned. But it's... All I'm saying is... It's going to be a wild ride, and I don't know where it ends. Obviously, there's going to be a crash at some point. Nothing goes up straight into the right forever, but where it ends up, it's I wouldn't be surprised if it's higher than anybody imagines. Well, someone we know well said Bitcoin one million. Yeah, so he's yeah. been and he's been saying it forever, and he is now a Bitcoin billionaire yeah. because he believed it early. Also, because he was rich when he believed it, which is yeah, helpful. That helps. Uh, but yeah, Bitcoin a million. So, all right. Well, anyway, Vili, it's been a great year. I thank you for joining us in this end of year venture cast. Thank you uh, for having me. I've had an awesome year. I thank anyone who still actually listens to VentureCast. That's extraordinarily kind of you. Uh, 
Big shout out to uh, Grant, the founder of uh, Insight Engines, and to Aaron, the founder of Brilliant, and to uh, to Sam, the CEO of ShopRunner, and any other new investments of mine this year. I think that's those are uh, all spectacular, new and exciting ones. You have uh, what do you got? I, I wanted to congratulate. Aaron Levy and Joelle on their wedding, which happened this oh, weekend. congratulations. And I saw the pictures on Facebook, and I thought it was lovely, so congratulations. Yeah, you worked back, back in the day with yeah. Aaron, so that's awesome. And uh, beyond that, we're looking forward to an exciting 2018. If you VentureCast listeners have some exciting business you want to pitch us, bring it on. Hornick at augustcap.com and... Philly at augustcap.com. And Happy New Year.